Second Kings chapter six, going to begin reading at verse number 15. If you have it, shout amen. If you don't say wait, it's up there. If you said wait (laughs) and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host come past the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? Or in other words, what are we going to do? Verse number 16, and the prophet Elisha answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to us on this subject. The odds are in our favor. The odds are in our favor. Would you set your Bibles down now and would you lift your hands all across this house? And I'm going to set this microphone down and I'm going to pray. But I wonder if you would lift your voices and you would pray. Like you really want God to show you the odds are in our favor. Come on, lift those voices now all across this house. Come on, I think we can do a little bit better than that. Come on, pray like you want God to show you something today. Pray like you want God to reveal something to you in the supernatural. Lord, anoint me from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. As you have so burdened me with this word, now give me the wisdom to use it correctly. I pray that in this place that thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done. Come on, I feel like God is loosening something right now in the atmosphere. Can we pray a little while longer? Oh God, we need your touch in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, the odds are in our favor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the odds are in our favor. Amen. Amen. Please be seated in Jesus' name. My friend, if you could help me with just a little more monitor up here. The foundation of which this story and this beautiful miracle begins, it all starts with... Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6 being approached by the young men that attended his school, the sons of the prophet. And they came to him and they told Elisha, they say the place wherewith we are dwelling is too straight for us meaning it's too small there there that's perfect there isn't enough there isn't enough room in this location for us anymore these young men came to him with the issue and the issue was is they had outgrown where they were at it sounds a little like to me that they were in revival Things had been happening for the sons of the prophet. Other students were coming and they were growing at such a rate that the place of which they were at could no longer contain them anymore. And so the issue was, we need more room. I'm thankful today to know that this place is in apostolic revival. And we are growing and God is adding to this church daily. 
Amen. And I realize we have room in the building, but I feel like God is wanting to expand our territory spiritually here today. I feel like God is wanting to expand our faith a little bit today. And maybe we need to begin to think a little larger. And we need beginning to imagine a little greater that what God has in store for us, the same mindset won't cut it anymore. We need to grow in the spirit a little bit. We need to grow in faith a little bit. Because what God has in store for this place, the same old way of thinking won't cut it anymore. What God has in store for us, we're going to have to expand our territory just a little bit. We're going to have to think a little differently. We're going to have to operate a little differently. I don't know about you, but I want God to expand the way I think. I want God to expand my faith. I want God... I don't know if you heard uh, on, I believe it was Thursday night when Brother Aaron Bounds whirled around and told uh, Pastor Myers, he said, what is flowing in this conference is going to continue to flow on your Sunday and Wednesday services. Now, I don't know about you, for us to have the kind of church God is going to want us to have, we can't come into the house of God with small thinking and small intentions and small faith it's time for us to get a little bit bigger in our heads and say it's time for us to expand our territory it's time for us to expand our thought process God intends for us to go beyond a place we've ever gone before do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that with everything? Do you want God to expand your faith? Do you want God to expand? And so they bring to him this great problem. We don't have enough room for what needs to happen around here anymore. And so I love what they tell the man of God. They say, this is what we're going to do. Everybody in this school, can we make it like I'm trying to preach it? Everybody in this church is going to get a beam. And they're going to do the work to expand this territory. The days of the 10% doing everything for the 90% to enjoy have got to be over. I rise to this pulpit to tell us if we're going to have what God wants us to have, everybody in this room is going to have to get under the weight of revival and say, God, use me. God, I want to do it. God, I want to be a part of it. Don't overlook my family. Don't overlook me, God. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. And so he he tells them, he says, I'll grant this wish. But the, the clause to this wish was that they themselves were going to have to bear the burden. Hey, it's time for us to come to church uh, with the intentions uh, and the mentality. I'm coming to do something today. Not just coming to receive, but what can I get under the weight of? And I love, there's one young man while he's felling his beam, his axe head goes flying into this river. And he is stressing, and he's worried, and he's fretting, and he runs to Elisha. And he says, Elisha, what am I going to do? He said, this axe went flying into the water, and it wouldn't have been a big deal if it was his, but it was borrowed. He borrowed somebody else's edge to do the work that God wanted him to do. 
And can I just go ahead and preach it like I feel it today? You can't come in here and borrow other people's worship and get the job done. You've got to come in here saying, I'm not going to count on Brother Richie. I'm not going to count on Brother Scott. I'm not just going to count on this worship team. But I'm coming to the house of God ready to do a work. I've got my edge sharpened. I've got my mind set on the task. Don't come in here counting on somebody else to praise you into victory. Why don't you come in here saying, it's time for me to do the work. It's time for me to do the job God has called me to do. I hope somebody else was praying and fasting for this service. I hope somebody else was uh, coming in here with a little bit of faith. No, 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 no. Uh, We can't have borrowed tools uh, in the end time. Uh, We need somebody with an edge uh, to show up and say, uh, I'm here uh, to do a work uh, for God. Anybody here come with the intention to let God use you today? This is why I'm preaching it. Because we have too many people that come to the house of God and expect other people's worship to carry their weight. But I wonder what would happen today if everybody in this place would get a hold of the axe and start felling the beam. Why? There's a work to do. There's a promise to to fulfill there's a revival to cultivate and it's gonna take all of us one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen we got about 23 people that are saying i'm ready to do it and there's about 300 in the house i wonder what would happen if everybody in the room said i'm not gonna let them do it for me i'm not gonna let them praise for me i'm not gonna let them do it all by themselves i've come to get a miracle I've come to get a breakthrough and bless God. I won't stop until it happens. Do you feel that way? Did you come hungry to see a miracle? Did you come hungry to see a Oh, you ought to shout if you want it. It's not a revival of one or two. And it's not a revival of the minority providing it for the majority. It's the revival that everybody is going to have to bear a little weight and do a little work. Everybody in the house, I know you're weak, but in your weakness, he's made strong. He said, you shall run and not be weary. I believe the reason some of us are weary is because we stopped running. Because when you run, you shall mount up with wings as the eagle. There's something about somebody that says, I'm here. I'm weary. I'm broken. But nevertheless, I've come to get something from God. There's a tenacity in my spirit. There's a desire in my heart. Put me under the weight preacher. I'm ready for this thing to go where it's supposed to go. Do you want it in this house? Oh, if you want it, would you lift those hands and lift those voices? reason God won't let me move on from this quite yet. We've created a culture in our movement where we are willing to
to let the 10% do the work for the 90. But I wonder what would happen if the 90% joined in. I wonder what would happen in this city if it wasn't the same ones on their feet and the same ones fasting and the same ones praying that's always been fasting and praying. I wonder what would happen in this revival. I wonder what would happen to the flow of the Spirit if everybody in this house said, if we're going to build it, it's going to take you, 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 me, me, me. It's going to take everybody in unity for we are many members, but we're one body. We were fitly framed and joined together. Why? so that the work can go forward they're in revival brother Richie they're trying to do the work that God has called them to do and after this young man breaks the borrowed axe head and the prophet restores the borrowed axe head the Bible says then Second Kings 6 and 8, after they're trying to do a work, after they're trying to have revival, after they saw the mighty move of God that took place just a week ago, then the king of Syria warred against Israel. I don't find it coincidence. I don't find it circumstantial. I don't find anything that happens in this book is there on accident. While the prophets are trying to grow and the church is trying to have revival, then the king of Syria starts warring against Israel. After you get your breakthrough, after you get your deliverance, after you're full of faith and the power of God, then the king of Syria tries to war against Israel. It's not by happenstance that this verse shows up right after they're trying to build a new work. Because any time a church tries to go to another level, the king of Syria or the king of the world or the enemy is going to show up and try to cause war with the saints of the Most High God. The Bible says, then the king of Syria warred against them. And after this man goes to war against him, We start seeing in verse number 9 that the man of God, Elisha, sends word to the king. Don't go down to this certain place. Because if you go there, there's a trap waiting on you. I thank God that God has put a man of God behind this pulpit to declare to us where the traps and the sins that so easily beset us are located. Don't get frustrated when pastor starts preaching against the enemy of the world and he starts trying to tell you, don't get isolated. Don't get fearful. Don't go there. Don't allow that. He's not trying to destroy you he's trying to keep you out of the trap of Satan and we've got to be if you go there they're going to be waiting on you and I love that the king of Syria watch what he says after he uh, uh, avoids this trap Israel does. Who here in my camp is betraying me? Who's telling the Israelites what's going on and how we're trying to defeat them? And the enemy has enough insight to look at the king and says, we're not doing any of this. There's a man of God in that camp. And that man of God has been telling them our plans. He said, the things you've been speaking in your bedchamber. The prophet has been telling Israel. We ought to thank God that the world knows the power of a man of God behind the pulpit. Hey, 
There's a reason they'll try to get you crossways with them. There's a reason that the first thing the enemy's going to try to do is get you out of the house of God and to get you to turn the voice of the man of God off in your life. Because if you ever turn his voice off, they know they can get you in their entrapment. I refuse to be trapped in a place. Oh God, help us. We don't like the word of warning because we don't get to go certain places and do certain things. It's not for your demise. It's for your protection. He's trying to keep you out of the gates of hell. And so they hear the voice of the man of God. They understand what they're supposed to do. And watch. After... All of this starts to play out. And they say, where is this man of God? The king says, where is Elisha? And they do a little surveying. We found him in Dotham. He's down there. And the Bible says that the enemy came over and they compassed them. They surrounded them. And the servant wakes up earlier that morning. And he starts looking around. What are we going to do now? We're out here just trying to do the work of God. We're out here just trying to grow a church. We're out here just trying to do what God has called us to do. We're out here just trying to have revival. And it, it's just it's just the enemy all around us. I, 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 oh my word, they've got us surrounded. Elisha, wake up! And the Bible says, he asked this question. Alas, my master... How shall we do? What he was really asking is, and if you read it in the NIV, he says, what are we going to do now? What's our next move? And I love the prophet. He just rebukes the fear. Because when you know not what to do, don't go changing the method that brought you there. He was trying to change where they were going. He was trying to, well, what are we going to do now? And the prophet said, what brought us here is going to send us forward. Don't stop praying now. Don't stop fasting now. Don't stop believing now. If there's ever been a time for all you can do to stand when you're shaking in your boots, when the enemy comes in like a flood and you're being shaken, that's when you stand even more. That's when you put your feet on the firm foundation of the Word of God and say, I was built upon a rock and Ain't nothing going to move me now. When you've done all you can do to stand, keep standing. When you've done all you can do to go, you just keep going. Because what brought you here is what will see you through. Don't try to cut the corner in the fight. Don't try to let go of things that brought you to this point in the fight. Don't stop praying. Don't pray less now. If it brought you here, it'll bring you where you're going. If it brought you this far, surely don't change it now. We get too many people that get in the fight and feel like they're outnumbered, outmatched, and isolated. And the first thing they want to do is exactly what the servant said. Alas, master, what shall we do? We're going to have to change our strategy. We're going to have to change our approach. Oh, no, you're not. Fear not. Because when you've done all you can do to stand, that's when God goes to work on your behalf he brings you to the point of stand so that he can show you this is how I go and fight on your behalf oh somebody needs a shout in this place We're going to have what God wants us to have. It's going to take more fasting, not less.
It's going to take more prayer, not less. It's going to take more Bible studies, not less. Church, if there's ever been a time for us to increase, now's the time. Don't start decreasing because you feel surrounded. Don't stop. Don't, don't throw in the towel because you feel surrounded. No, now's the time to stand firm on the foundation of the word of the Lord. Because the parable of the one that was built on the sand and the rock said, When the storm came, it came to prove the foundation. And if it was built on the word of God, it can't waver, it can't fall, it can't fail. Because the word of God is forever. He looks right at him, the prophet. Fear not. Because after he makes you feel outnumbered, he's going to produce a false reality of fear. And the prophet had key insight into that moment. And he tells him, don't start fearing now. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. You know, the first time the word fear was spoken in the Bible. Lord showed me this this morning. The first time fear was used in the Bible is when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And when the Lord showed up, they said, we know you're here, but we were afraid because we saw our own nakedness. It was they were ashamed of who they were in that moment. So that caused fear. And I felt like the Lord enlightened me on something today. When fear is present, it's because there has been a severing in that area between you and your walk with God. We all like to talk about spiritual authority and how, you know, when you really got spiritual authority, you'll know because you can lay hands on people and they'll get the Holy Ghost or you can lay hands on people and, and they'll be healed. That's not the mark of spiritual authority. You see, we say that when somebody gets healed, we've got power in the Spirit. Really, you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these signs are going to follow them that believe. So you've got the power of the Holy Ghost, but the mark of spiritual authority is peace. Because the Word says that the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. So if you really want to know if you've got spiritual authority activated in an area of your life, look around and see is there peace there or is there chaos? Because where fear is, is the absence of the peace of the Lord. And so you know what we need? We need a fresh baptism uh, of apostolic spiritual authority uh, where we lay our own wills aside uh, and say, God, there's frustration and fear in that part of my life. So you know what that tells me? I have severed your ability to work uh, in that avenue of my life. Uh, and the only way peace will ever be restored uh, is if I humble myself uh, and allow your authority to work into that area. Oh. You know, fear is what's been working worse everywhere I go. I think I said this last time I was behind this pulpit. Everywhere I go, if there's one thing I have to fight, it's the spirit of fear right now. Because fear is the enemy to faith. And that is what's trying to stop us from doing the work that God has called us to do. And if fear is at work, it's because God of peace has not been able to place His authority in that part of your life. And the only way you can reestablish that authority to work in that place is if you do what 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He might exalt you in due time, casting all your care. That word care literally means anxiety and fear. Cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Last week, I'm not going to give all of the details. Last week, my wife and I were trying to get some appointments worked out for her. And, and she went to her appointment. And, and this doctor just, just gave her the workaround. She said, well, we, we do accept that insurance. But now we're not accepting that insurance. Mainly because, you know, we have too many patients. So we don't accept it now. Although we do accept it, we just don't accept it now. I'm upset because this doctor, you know, is going to be the one with the answers. I am fighting mad. 
You know, we've been married eight months. This is finally my opportunity to show her I'm the macho man she's always wanted to marry. You know, bless God, I'll take care of this baby doll. Just let me. Yeah. So I'm on the phone now, and I'm on the phone with our doctor. What in the world? Why are you doing this, that, and the other? Well, we don't understand. They do accept. Well, I know, but they're saying that. And I'm arguing, and I'm upset, and I'm mad, and I get to display my macho ability as a man. And then frustration starts getting in my spirit. And now I'm getting worried because, well, maybe she won't get the answer that she needs. Maybe this, that, and the other. And now I'm beginning to get frustrated. And I'm beginning to have fear. And I'm, and I, and I'm like, what in the world? And then this revelation came to me. If you would stop trying to work it by yourself. It's not that you can't do it. It's that I can do it better. And we got folks, oh, I can do it. Absolutely you can. Go on and do bad all by yourself. And watch fear, anxiety, and trouble rule that part of your life. But the moment you're willing to humble yourself and say, although I can do it, I trust in your ability to do it better than I ever could. And so... I humbled myself. I prayed this prayer right here, this first Peter prayer. And I bowed and I told God, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm putting this at your feet. Because God, we got to have it. This has got to take place. This has got to happen. And I acted in my own pride and I acted in my own ego. And I humbled myself and I gave it to the Lord. Ask my wife three minutes after that prayer. Three minutes. The doctor calls me. And they hook me up with the office manager. And the office manager says, don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of this for you. Oh, God. And before I knew what happened, we had the appointments that we needed. She affirmed everything with the doctor that we needed. And everything was taken care In the matter, I promise you, of probably 25 or 30 minutes, God did it better in that small amount of time than I ever could in my own frailty and finite ability. Why are you telling us this? Because I feel the frustration that is coming over some of y'all wondering. I'm surrounded There's no hope. I keep hearing we're going to have miracles and great revival. But all I see is the enemy all around me. Well, let me tell you, it's time for you to put it at the feet of Almighty God. And let an infinite God work on behalf of a finite human. I'm going to help some of y'all today. You're tired of the frustration in your life. And can I tell you why it's there? Because you won't humble yourself and let God be God. You won't allow God to be God in your life. And that's why He can't do the work on your behalf. And it's caused you depression, fear, and anxiety. And meanwhile, God is just sitting up there on His throne. Everything He's ever done for humanity saying, If you'll just put it at my feet, I'll work on it on your behalf. The God of peace will take care of that. I want there to be a release of spiritual authority in this place. But the only way for there to be a release of spiritual authority into a place is for people to humble themselves and let God take authority. And if you'll allow his authority to work in your life, in your finances, in your marriage, in your family, and in every bit of frustration that you have, hear me in the name of the Lord. It won't be but hours before you get a call saying, listen, I know this, that, and the other, but but now we're going to do this. And God will work it out on your behalf better than you ever could in your own ability in the matter of moments. But you've got to be really willing to say, God, I can't do this. This on my own. There are miracles that have been tied up in your life because you won't lay it at the Lord's feet. You're busy trying to get to his head. 
anointing gathers in the hem. It starts at the top, but it gathers in the hem of the garment. You'll find more anointing at the feet than you'll ever find at the face. But it takes humbling and allowing God to work on your behalf. Would you lift your hands? I feel like God is wanting to minister to somebody right now. You need to stand all across the house and lift your hands right now. Notable miracles are in this room right now. Notable miracles. Many people... Listen to this, can be healed today. Many people have the opportunity of a miracle starting right now. But you're going to have to figure it out in your mind. I can't do it. The preacher can't do it. But the God of heaven has come this day to tell you, fear not. And if you will allow him to speak, fear not, the thing you have felt surrounded by, he will open your eyes to an angelic host that is standing and waiting as his command right now. But it's going to happen through a humbling. It's going to happen through a posture of, I can't do it, but you can. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet there are people in this place right now that have been suffering mentally for far too long and you have tried to work it out on your own and god's telling you you're not strong enough and he's led you to a, this moment right now where you humble yourself in his presence and you show him i've tried it long enough to do it all by myself today's the day i put my cares at your feet if you're waiting for me to announce this altar is open, it's open. I'm done preaching. Heaven has showed up right now. If you will humble yourself before the Lord, I'm telling you, cast it at His feet. And the moment it is placed at His feet, He will do the work that you could never do in a way that you could never do it. Come on. I speak miracles right now. They're already here. They're already here. Miracle signs and wonders are in this house, but you just humble yourself. All you got to do is humble yourself before the Lord. There are people, oh, 
There is somebody in this room right now that's about to make a decision that will destroy you and it will destroy your family. And it has been through your pride that you have tried to do it on your own. And God is telling you, if you will humble yourself, I will restore peace into your home and reestablish the flow of anointing you've been looking for. Church, come on. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. There is an angelic host wanting to be released in this house right now over this land. But the body has got to show God a posture of humility. And through humility, God will do a work you could never do. Come on. Come on. Humility doesn't look pretty. I'm sorry. Humility isn't postured in beauty. Humility is when it doesn't happen like you wanted it to happen. And you're willing to get down on your face before the Lord and say, I couldn't do it any longer. And put your cares and your struggles and your frustrations at His feet. Come on. If you'll humble yourself, God will do it right now. Fear not. They that are for us are more than they that are against us. Come on. You can't worry about who sees you weeping right now. You can't worry about who sees you boo-hooing right now. You've got to break that alabaster box. You can't worry about what those that feel like they are mightier than you are saying. You are breaking something at the feet of God right now. It's going to cost you. It's going to be expensive. But everything you're looking for is there. Come on, I see miracles in this place. I see miracles in this place. I see miracles in this place. Fear not. Come on, fear not. I'm telling you. Those that are willing to do what I'm saying, when you stand, you will see that they that are for you are greater than they that are against you. Those that are working on your behalf are more than those that are working against you. Come on, let God be God. to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right now. All you got to do is lift your hands, repent of your sins and begin to worship God with a hallelujah and with stammering lips and a new tongue. He will begin to speak to you. Come on. Come on, that's it. Surrounded by you, surrounded by you, like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. 
something. Come on, that's it. Now, this is what I want us to do. After he rebuked the fear, and God removed what fear had showed him, and faith began to operate, Elisha spoke to the angels that were there and told them what to do on their behalf. Now, we're about to speak in this room. After you humble yourself, God's going to allow that spiritual authority to begin to work. And now heaven is standing at wait for the words of what you need it to do right now. So now I want you to stand with me if you're kneeling. I want you to lean your head back. And I want you to lift those hands one more time. You can't do this in your head. Hear me. Don't speak your mind. Verbalize it into the atmosphere. Elisha told those angels, smite them with blindness. Whatever you need God to do on your behalf, because you have humbled yourself, heaven is waiting now. I want you to begin to speak what you need heaven to do. Speak it into existence right now. Come on, from your mouth, speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Heal my family. Restore my son. Bring my sons and my daughters back. Come on, speak it. Come on, with boldness, with faith believing, speak it. With no timidity and no fear, speak it. Ah, you feel that faith coming in here right now? You feel that victory coming in here right now? That's the angelic host uh, carrying out uh, on our behalf. Come on. My Lord, come on. Uh, somebody needs to release. Come on, that's it. Now let there be a sound of great rejoicing. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. This is how I war. This is how it happens. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. This is how I fight. 
the way that this goes home with you, I need you to hear me for just a second. I feel very impressed to talk about this before we leave here today. Every day, Paul said, I die daily. For your fear and frustration to stay dead. Every day that you wake up, you've got to put your cares at his feet. Your job won't have as much frustration. Your marriage won't have as much frustration. Your finances won't have as much frustration. Your life won't have as much frustration. Why? Because although, yes, you could do it. Flesh births frustration. So when you wake up in the morning, before you do anything else, put everything at his feet. And tell me next Sunday or Wednesday when we see each other, your life does not have the peace of the Lord working in it. I'm telling you, it's going to work that quick. I'm telling you, it's going to be a supernatural switch that flips. Because where the God of peace dwells, Satan has to be crushed. When you wake up in the morning, speak it, Lord. Although I could, I can't do it like you can. So I submit my pride. I submit my frailty. I submit everything that is me. I put it at your feet today, God. And watch God work through His peace and remove the frustration. The revival that is here will be birthed in a spirit just like this unity love and i'm telling you it's just going to keep getting deeper because they that are for us are greater than they that are against us i didn't even get to where i needed to go today but god had his will in this service i want you to leave this place understanding the odds are in your favor I need you to leave this place saying, when I step out tomorrow, the odds are in my favor. When I go to witness to the person I've been afraid to witness to, the odds are in my favor. Because fear will not rule my life anymore. Anxiety will not rule my life anymore. I speak freedom in the name of the Lord Jesus. One more time, would you lift your hands? And can we just begin to worship and praise the Lord? Turn it for good.